Thanks to Casper for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery. For $50 off any mattress, go to casper.com slash fool and enter the promo code FOOL. It's Monday, June 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Monday, gents. Hey, hello, hey. hello. We all survived Fool Fest. Of course. <laughs> it was a great time. It was. We're going to talk a little bit about Fool Fest and, and some of the takeaways from our two day investing event. And there was a lot. There was a lot of content, a lot of investing, a lot of stock ideas, a lot of great stuff. I think we got to start, though, with last Friday's action at the Buffalo Wild Wings annual meeting. Yeah. Uh, activist investor group Mercado Capital won a proxy fight to get three seats on the board of directors, and CEO Sally Smith said, Thank you, I'm out of here. <laughs> and she is going to leave the company before the end of the year. We don't know the exact date. Um, were you, uh, let's just start with this, Jason. Were you surprised? No. Were you surprised I mean, honestly, that they got the seats not. and that she, like were you surprised by that one two punch of they got the seats they wanted. They won the proxy vote and she said I'm out of here. Yeah, well I mean I did, I wasn't surprised that they got the seats because they own almost 10% of the company and it's kind of what they do, right? So I mean my thinking was if if they got that my belief was that Sally was probably just going to wipe her hands of the whole matter and just ride off into the sunset and and honestly I think that's the right decision for her. I mean, good I for think her. That, yeah, good for her. I think the new CEO of this business is going to have a major act to follow. I don't envy that individual at all. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Sally Smith has been more compa- uh, more um, committed to this business than Mercado Capital ever will be. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see within the next three years Mercado completely liquidate its interest in the company, and and that's fine. That's what they do as activist uh, investors. But when you look at Buffalo Wild Wings, the history of it. You look at what Sally Smith has done during her time there. She's been with the company since 1994. She was the CFO there for a few years before she became the CEO in 1996. She helped take them public in 2003. And investors really, really won under her watch. I mean, that stock is up over 1,200% since that time, uh, around 20% annualized returns. And, and I really do attribute a lot of that to her because she was working, I think, in a situation where the odds were already against her. I mean, you're taking a pretty simple concept in wing sports and beer. That's everywhere. I mean, that's the United States of America. <laughs> it's on every bar's appetizer menu. Exactly. I mean, it is just such a fragmented and honestly, I think the fragmented nature of that of that industry more or less is probably an advantage. I think that people love to be able to kind of take that local flavor. I mean, it's it's difficult to, to sort of assign a national sort of identity to something like that, but she really helped them do it. And uh, you know, I, I hats off to her. I, I think she did a wonderful job during her time. I don't blame her at all for just saying, "Hey, look, this is just a company that's going to be going in a different direction. I'm not really into it." She's had a wonderful career. I'm sure she's probably got other things that she wants to do in her life. Very smart lady, and I suspect we'll see her name come up somewhere else doing something really cool. Yeah, Taylor. When you think about, as Jason said, shares of Buffalo Wild Wings up more than 1,200 percent. And in that same time, the market, the S and P 500, up about 130 percent. So, so in terms of, you know, Bill Barker always says the greatest thing in life is having an easy act to follow. 
If you're looking at the last 20 years, God, God bless <laughs> whoever whoever takes that corner office next, because basically, you know, are are, are they going to do a 10x, a nearly 10x return on the market? What the market did over a 13 and a half year period? Or are they even going to get the opportunity to be there that long? I mean, that's yeah. it's pretty unheard of to to be a CEO of a restaurant these days for that long of a time frame, especially with that much success. Um, I think it's just recency bias here on on their part. Um, but the whole sector, this casual dining sector, has really been, you know, struggling of late. You've seen TGI Fridays, Applebee's, Ruby Tuesdays, all those restaurants coming out saying it's a struggle out there right now. Uh, dining habits are changing. They are growing their takeout and delivery businesses a little bit, but um, I don't think that that's the future of, of casual dining is takeout and delivery because you have your average ticket size is smaller. You're not selling alcohol when you're doing pickup and delivery, and that's a big ticket item for these restaurants. So um, certainly, industry wide, there's some struggles here, and it'll be interesting to see if Buffalo Wild Wings can kind of kick that trend. Um, Looks like they're going to try and go more franchise heavy. 50 to 55 percent of the restaurants right now are franchise. I think they want to go up to 90 percent. Mercado does uh, with their board members, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, I I want to get to that, Uh, but before that, Jason, uh, worth pointing out: when this news breaks on Friday afternoon, the stock pops, and. Today, the stock has given back all of those gains. <laughs> they had a weekend to think about. They had a weekend <laughs> to think, like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. You mean the person, the captain who's been steering this ship through some pretty tough waters <laughs> at various points in time over the last 13 years in the public markets? She's not going to be in. Oh, okay. Yeah, some genius. And comes there's in no there. option there. He's like, sitting there waiting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop the clock. Hang on a second. Wait a minute now. Sally, wait a minute. She's done really well for us. Yeah. Now she's going to be gone. Oh, let's rethink this. So, what does franchising, what does Mercado Capital see in the franchising model that Sally Smith and her team have? They haven't been totally opposed to it. As, as no, Taylor said, yeah. about 50% of them are franchise. Is is there some sort of like silver bullet with going up to ninety percent of franchising? Well, so I think this there are a lot of sort of pieces to this that kind of lead to that strategy. I think that um, and, and Taylor made a good point there. I think in in the sort of the market is shifting a bit in in the casual space where I, because of technology. I mean, if we think about what really separated or separates Buffalo Wild Wings from anyone else. It's not the food. I mean, the food is okay, but I mean, it's not like it's just this. It's not the food. It's the experience. It's the restaurant having 60 TVs with every game and every event on. That's what differentiated it. And that's why they've invested so much recently in building out sort of that arena restaurant, which is sort of more. Uh, like being in, uh, being at a game, so to speak, and and obviously it costs a lot of money to build those stores, to redesign, to renovate those stores that exist, and and they also have to pay a lot of money uh, for the locations. I mean, you have to put Buffalo Wild Wings in pretty choice locations in order to be able to keep that traffic going pretty consistently. And I mean, I'll use the Crystal City store here as an example. It's just a short metro ride away. I mean, it's a lovely. Buffalo Wild Wings. It's in a great part of town. It's always going to be pretty busy because it's such a busy area, but it costs a lot of money to keep those stores going. And so the franchise model sort of takes that cost out of the structure, right? It helps them sort of shore up the cost structure of the business while becoming a higher margin business. So you see something where the top line isn't going to necessarily be the same. But profitability wise, 
uh, can, that's an opportunity to, to really improve the margins of the business, to improve the profitability of the business, and and sort of uh, make it a bit make it a bit uh, easier to run. I mean, it puts a little bit more of the onus on the actual franchisees. And so, you see businesses like Panera, for example, um, run about a 50-50 split right now, too. I mean, I think it's interesting to see that Mercado wants to go to 90% yeah, or so, because that is, you know, that has shift. its drawbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it becomes a little bit more difficult to um, measure how each store is doing. So, if you have a company-wide sort of vision that you want to lay out, it's more difficult to manage. And I think that's why we've seen Chipotle, on the other hand, Refuse to franchise their restaurants because Steve Ells really wants to maintain control. They dipped of that their experience. toe in the water, and they they <laughs> franchised a few locations, and then they were like, "Nope, we're out," and they bought them back. Yeah, and and I, I so I mean I, I think that generally speaking, with Buffalo Wild Wings, again, technology has made it such that now we don't have to go out to see those games. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has a TV in their hand and in their pocket with you know their smartphone. Um, so it's a lot easier to say, "I'd rather just watch the game home," yep. and that's. Right. I mean, you can order out from Buffalo Wild Wings, but you are passing up on that high margin alcohol, which they sell a lot of, a lot of beer, and uh, and that's where you get them today. And then I think finally, they've had this goal of becoming like a three thousand restaurant company. Were they now like twelve something like that somewhere? And, and it wasn't going to be three thousand Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, it was going to three. It was going to be three thousand restaurants: Buffalo Wild Wings, Our Taco, Pizza Rev, and whatever else they came into. And and I mean, I will. Push back on them a little bit in that you know they they had done a lot of of share repurchasing uh, lately, uh, and I think that share repurchases are good if you have no other use for that capital and your stock presents a pretty compelling value. I don't know that the stock really presented that compelling of a value, and I think they could have put that money to work in other ways, namely building out that that portfolio of restaurants that they felt like was the strategy. Um, I'll be interested to see if, if Mercado wants to shift away from that strategy. I think that's a big question mark because if that is the case, then that really, really limits the growth story of this of this uh, company. I did see capital allocation being called out as a reason why they did want to you know remove some of these board of directors and get some of their own folks in there to maybe reinvest some of that money into technology and international growth rather than share purchases, like Jason was saying. All right. Before we go any further, going to say thanks to Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. Casper understands the importance of actually trying out a mattress that you're going to spend a third of your life on, and that's why they offer free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom, <laughs> which is just an awkward and terrible experience. None of us are ever going to know what sleeping on a mattress is like unless we actually sleep on it. Casper's mattresses are made in the USA, and they offer free shipping and returns to the US and Canada, and they make it really, really easy. I got a note, actually, from one of our listeners in Los Angeles who said he just bought a Casper bed for his mom using the full discount, and you can save an additional, you too, can save an additional $50 toward a mattress uh, mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash fool and entering the promo code fool. That's casper.com slash fool and use the promo code FOOL. Terms and conditions apply. You can fall asleep listening to Market Foolery on your new Casper mattress. <laughs> it's one heck of a combo. <laughs> That's right. You know what? As we pivot to Fool Fest, I remember <laughs> an event we did. It was a Motley Fool One event that we did in uh, Austin, Texas, a couple of years ago. And uh, it was at so the event was over, and we had a reception. And a gentleman uh, and his wife walk up, and and he was uh, a little bit older than me. And he introduced himself, and he and his wife uh, live in Atlanta. And uh, he said, I listen to you 
every day. Every day I listen to your podcast. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And his wife said, and she had sort of this like sort of thick New York accent, and she said, every night I fall asleep to the sound of your voice. And <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. So does my wife. So um, Highlights from Fool Fest for you guys? I'll just throw out two, and that's the two CEOs that we had come. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I was just going to well, say. Why don't you just take one? Of them? I'll take one. I mean, two very different businesses. Yeah. I'll talk about one. You can talk about the other. Uh, Ken Taylor, the CEO of of Texas Roadhouse um, Restaurant Group. Uh, Bill Mann did an interview with him, and that's that's a restaurant that I'm I'm aware of the stock. I'm aware of the business. I've never eaten at one, and um, and I just really enjoyed. Uh, that conversation that Bill Mann had with him. And the one thing I'll say that I think that conversation and the conversation Andy Cross had with the other mm-hmm. CEO, which I'll let you talk about, Taylor, is that both those CEOs struck me as so highly engaged in their business and so passionate about their business. Mm-hmm. They clearly love what they do, and they're very different businesses. One is a restaurant, but you can talk about Elliot Noss. Yeah, Elliot Noss from Two Cows, a Canadian company, largest domain registrar in the world, um, now starting Ting Mobile and Ting Internet, which is a mobile virtual network operator here in the U.S., which you can kind of link up with T-Mobile and Sprint's networks for a very much discounted cell phone bill or uh, fiber internet in select cities so far here in the U.S., um, but such a foolish guy. I mean, just like last year with Robert Willett from Cognex, the quality of CEOs that Run the businesses we we recommend to our investors it just blows me away. And, and Andy, as always, delivering a, a solid interview on stage. Yeah, no, it was really great. And it, and you mentioned the guy from Cognex, and you know, Cognex and Two Cows. We're talking about companies that are not household names. <laughs> no, no, I mean, not even close. You, you don't you don't really have to be all that familiar with Texas Roadhouse um, to understand that it's like oh, it's it's a chain of steakhouses. Mm-hmm. It's Think of it as the American version of Outback Steakhouse, and then all of a sudden, people understand what that business is. But with Cognex and Two Cows, it takes a little bit more explanation. But they, both of them, make their businesses so accessible. Absolutely, it was great. Jason, any highlights for you? Sure. I mean, I, the first thing that always just floors me is anytime I go to any of these things is the the number of people that we see there. And how many people are so thoughtful to come up, and and they're listeners of our shows, and and they're complimentary. I mean, it, I was nice. saying here before we started taping. I mean, when I started here in 2010, market foolery didn't exist. It wasn't part of the job description, and and I just happened to, to fall into a jackpot there because you and Mac decided to, to throw me in on the first group there and see how it worked. And we, you know, now we're on to something, and it seems to be uh, doing okay. And it's turned out to be one of the most enjoyable parts of the job for me. <clears throat> so I think that. Uh, for me, it's just always a little bit overwhelming when people come up and say, "I'm a listener, and we love listening to you." And it's just like, "Wow, I, I just I can't believe yeah. I still get to do this," you know. Um, but then also going a little bit more on the investing angle, uh, I liked what Tom Gardner had to say. I think it was in his closing remarks uh, in in regard to selling. Um, he he you know started out by talking about sort of when to sell, what would make someone want to sell, um, and and that in a lot of cases here. We would have been better off just not selling. Many of our services, many of our real money portfolios, in hindsight, we the better decision would have been not to sell ever. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And and I used to not really think about that 
a whole heck of a lot until I started working here, and it became a little bit more of a of an everyday sort of exercise. Because we get that question a lot from listeners, we get mm-hmm. that question a lot from people on Twitter, and. It, you look at it from two different perspectives, and I think if you're an investor where you always have an opportunity to add money, if you're if you're in a position where you can continually add money, then it does almost seem like selling becomes less and less a concern. And if you own shares of a company that haven't performed as well as you'd hoped, a lot of times the better bet is just to kind of click ignore. Don't add to that loser. You know, just start finding new winners, add to your winners, and just kind of keep moving forward. And very often, I mean, unless it's a real, I'm going to say, a POS business, right? Unless we just know it's headed to zero. And I don't think we're going to be picking many of those because we are very considerate when it comes to you know the research we're putting in. I mean, there are oftentimes those those businesses will come back. I mean, look at SodaStream. I mean, it wasn't very long ago we almost left them for dead. And and that thing has come back quite nicely. It's not been the best investment, but certainly you've gained back a lot of the capital that was lost a few years ago. And um, in, in MDP right now, we have a portfolio that is a fixed money portfolio. We cannot add new money, and that makes it very difficult. But interestingly, so many of our members want that experience. They want to learn how to run a fixed money portfolio because for many people, that is a real life situation. And so it's far more difficult in my eyes to do that because if we ever want to buy something, then we have to consider selling something or at least trimming a position somewhere. Uh, so selling becomes a bit more uh, of a question for us. But I think that typically for investors who have the ability to look 5, 10, 15 years down the road and know they're going to keep on adding money to that portfolio, I mean, a lot of times selling just doesn't really work out. <laughs> it's better yeah. just to kind of hang on to it, keep moving forward, and uh, you know, check back in a year and sort of see how things look. Yeah, it took me uh, when I first started here. It took me like four years before I sold a stock after I started really buying into the yeah. foolish investing mindset. And worked out so far. Um, yeah, Jason, you mentioned the listeners. Uh, Jason Newman, Gary Allen, Don Sampson, just to name a few people who have been listening for years. It's always great to to see them. Um, I was saying to Dan Boyd right before we started taping. One of the so so Dan um, is basically the technical captain of Fool Fest. He's in charge of all the audio and video, and there's a a team. Uh, that gets hired that he works with, and uh, I was chatting very briefly with one of the cameramen at the end of the day, and just saying, you know, just went to say, hey, thanks, you know, because the, they work really long hours, and it's it's always appreciated. And he was like, oh, thanks. And he's like, oh, by the way, I've I've been listening for two years. <laughs> and I was like, really? and so it was it was just really great. By the way, speaking of listeners, longtime listener and full member Ryan Markin in the house with his crew. Yes. Right. Ryan the room out there. and his crew visiting from the Buckeye State, spending a week in D.C. and choosing to spend a little bit of time at Full HQ. So, thank you so much. For, I hope we didn't disappoint. Um, you know, uh, based on some of the sites that they've seen in D.C., yeah, we're falling short. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you guys gave him some good restaurant recommendations guess, yeah, before but, the know, show. Do we need to like, uh, rattle like, off a couple of quick stock ideas? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Full HQ, uh, ranking a little bit lower than the Smithsonian Museums. I'm just saying. Anyway, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>